Coming up, the Brooklyn Nets get embarrassed on the court while Kyrie Irving embarrasses himself off. We're going to talk about the Pacers' loss at home for the Nets and what is the most concerning in a long list of losses this season. We will also address what is another situation where Kyrie Irving seems to lose the sense of what his words mean when he speaks. We break it all down next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. I am Adam Armbrecht covering the New York Football Giants on the One Giant Podcast. He is Doug Norrie, owner-operator of DFSR for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day and let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online, it's where the game starts. And where we start, Doug, as we're going to stay focused on the basketball game first and what I think ends up being a little bit of a global conversation, six games into the season and what is not working for them. We will on the back end of this episode uh, address Kyrie Irving's comments. And as we say at the top, there's a situation where he seems to continue to give bad sample sizes in that area. But we are primarily a basketball podcast. So, um, Go ahead, Doug, because it's a long intro for me. How are you feeling? I mean, there's better ways to spend Saturday nights. I'll tell you that it's uh, they're te- it's terrible. I, like I don't know another way to describe it. There's no, very few ways you can sugarcoat this. I, like we could probably spend a few minutes and drag out some numbers that'll tell uh, you know, try to put a little bit of icing on top of this cake. But for the most part, it's been awful on in basically every sense. Like you know, one in four. You try to drum it up to. Uh, who they had to play to start the season, and they've had a, they had a rough schedule out of the gate. Uh, that you can't use that excuse anymore when you're at home playing a Pacers team who's basically trying to lose and off a back to back on a back to back, and they come in and they just look like the best offense in basketball. Uh, they drop 125 on you with almost no effort, shoot 50 percent from three. Some were tough looks, whatever. Like. It's embarrassing. It's an embarrassing loss for the Nets. There's no other way to say it. I, this actually might be the most sort of like fired up slash demoralized I've been since we, we've been doing the podcast for years now. This I, I can't remember a time after like a single loss because like even the KD and the foot on the line, at least they had made it to the conference, you know, semifinals or whatever. It's right. game six. Everyone looks like they hate each other. You got Kyrie in the news. They can't stop anybody. Everyone's looking around. They can't make shots. The defense is terrible. The, the third worst defense or the third worst plus minus in the league right now. They're one and five last in the East. Yeah, it's six games in, but like at some point, even through six games, you want to look at something and say, hey, I can hold on to this. You know, I can hold on to this thing. This thing's going really well. We just need time. This thing's going really well. I'm sure those things will come in time and i'm sure you know 10 games from now we'll have something else to talk about but my god I, like it's so bad it's so bad it, and and if you're a nets fan and i feel for all the nets fans out there if you're a nets fan that's been telling yourself a story for the last couple of years about why things are the way they are and there's always a story this team is full of stories it's a never-ending line of why of what a woulda coulda shoulda right 
I, I get it. And you can walk in and tell yourself another story here, I guess. But man, like for a team, for this last thing I said, you can go, but like for a team that desperately, after this offseason, desperately needed to come out and show you something out of the gate here, something, K- Katie trade request, Simmons back surgery, you know, Kyrie might go, you know, not come on the player option, might get traded. All this stuff. Joe come Harris, back together. Seth Curry injury. Joe Harris yeah. injury, Seth Curry injury. Of all the, of, of all they need, they desperately needed to come out and set the tone because there's a, there's a cascading effect that can happen here. They've done the opposite. They've done the opposite. Like they've done, they've been even worse than you ever could have imagined they would be. Like this is, this is worse than you ever could have reasonably expected. I haven't. Yeah, uh, what I, I, yeah. I, no, by the way, listen to Doug. Yeah, Doug Norrie. Doug Norrie getting uh, fired up, and I am as well. And I think sometimes when we're on the podcast, what ends up happening is one of us um, ends up kind of taking the emotional mantle for the way it feels. Everyone from New York is going to know this. It's my sitting in traffic theory. When you have two people in a car sitting in traffic, it only pays for one to freak out. Like you you never have the both, (laughs) you never, you never both freak out. Like you never, because then the car ride is going to be miserable. One person freaks the freaks out and the other person's like, oh, it's clearing up ahead. Like, look up there, look up there. I can see it moving that that, you're going to be the see it moving guy right now, I think. But like, that's just the way it works. Well, and, I, and it's funny, too. So, you know, six games in, and again, we talked about how this is also, by the way, uh, the worst start uh, for a season since 2015 for the Brooklyn Nets. And by the way, that type of record is nothing you should ever be able to set when you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on your team. So they start the season one and five. I think one of the things now is that, to me, we may 10 games from now, 20, 30 games from now, look back at this in the rear view of, man, that was a lot of traffic, but we made it through to the open road and things are going a lot better. However, I think inside of these first six games, it's all of the things that no matter how much better it may get, I think you'll always be able to come back to the start of this year, coming out of the offseason, wanting to, needing to, as you said, have a great start to the year to put all this other stuff behind them. I think we're just going to look back to it and say like, yeah, All of the tea leaves were there. All the tea leaves were there for why this thing was going to be a really rocky road, even if you do end up stacking up some wins. Things can change, and we said 15 to 20 games, that's still the sample size that I want. However, when it's the Indiana Pacers, that's where a game like this becomes inexcusable to lose because it just looks like like everybody, maybe you all could care less. Maybe everyone could, could kind of care less about this, and it's inside the start of a season where what have you gotten? You've gotten the consistency from uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving from an offensive perspective, but that isn't something that you can say, well, you're getting that. Like, yeah, that, that's automatic. The things are supposed to be automatic you have. It's about where are the other pieces and other components here, and there's a lot of things to look at, um, health and otherwise, but this was just um, – this is one of those games that you can't really come out of it singing anyone's praises or finding silver linings or talking about – things that they did that could look more successful down the road. It was all bad in this one uh, to say nothing. Might as well mention miles Turner didn't even play in this game. So, you know, there's even, even worse looking when you fall to the Pacers. Come off. Sorry. The only positive here is that the miles Turner didn't play and light the nets up. And then we would just get, you know, 7,000 messages about why miles Turner is the center they need. Oh, just again, that's the only benefit here. The problem with the nets off the problem with the nets start here, unlike say, Okay, so 
unlike a team like let's say the Pacers, not sorry, let's say the Warriors started one and five, right? No one would be freaking out because they just won a championship. No one's going anywhere. Like the team's solidified. Really, like most teams, you run down the run down the NBA. Most teams actually, if, if they started one and five with this kind of thing, you'd have question marks about their season, but you wouldn't have like nuclear options, mm-hmm. nuclear option like disaster floor outcomes, right? Because you know, name any team, and I'll tell you why that wouldn't be the case. It's like, oh, you know, Bucks start one and five. Great. Giannis and Drew aren't going anywhere, right? So, like, they just got, they got to go figure it out. The problem with the one and five start for the Nets and why things, th- this team has like spiral possibilities that most teams in the NBA don't have, right? Most teams can't, don't have the ability to spiral down into the lagoon the way the Nets do, just into the abyss because they're sitting on this absolute razor's edge of, a, of their superstar. You know, four months ago, just asking to leave town and you band-aided together in the offseason. Who knows what was said or what was promised, but that's still there. And unlike most other teams in the NBA who aren't just sitting there, you know, breathlessly waiting to see if someone's going to just do the same thing again, the Nets are in this place. So like it's, it's this really, really terrible situation they're putting themselves in where they've lost all the games. They've looked bad doing it. And they're sitting on this possibility of like, they can't just be like, hey, we'll pull it together because we're all in this together. It's like, we might, or (laughs) this guy might ask out and this guy might want to be trade. You know, Kyrie Irving, like in in a contract year, maybe he's starting to look good as a trade piece because they got to get him out of town. And like, this is the last time to extract value in that contract. Like the Simmons thing, they'll never trade this contract the way he looks right now. Durant might just say, look around the room and say, no, thanks, but no thanks. Like mm-hmm. gave it a try. We're one and we're one and five or whatever and can't beat. We just lost to the Pacers. Like no other team has this downside on their list of outcomes or most don't. Right. Right. They don't have like the, the, this, the, the, the if tree here goes way further out than most other teams, which is the other reason they desperately needed to start off the season strong. And again, there's no other way to put it. They've done the exact opposite. Like it's been worse than you ever would have reasonably thought, right? Like even on our worst outcomes, be like, hey, through six, what are we looking at? Three and three, about even point differential. Katie and Kyrie, no, it's worse. Like minus eight point differential, one and five, beaten by one of the worst teams in basketball that's trying to lose. It's terrible. It's embarrassing. Oh, only know. team with the worst points differential in the East right now is the Detroit Pistons. Nets are now minus 8.7. Um, average here in point differential on the year. It's, yeah, to your point, and you you cannot get away from it. You cannot get away from it. And when you have the offseason the Nets have, and then again, as we and we we said this very clearly at the time of the media day, right? Couldn't have gone any better from the standpoint of getting away from the offseason and setting that right foot forward. If that couldn't have gone any better, then this could not have gone any worse the second that they stepped themselves onto the court. We obviously have plenty more to cover here. We'll look at this game a little bit specifically coming up in a second. But again, this feels at least six games global that we're kind of taking a look at this Nets team with some fear around what could be coming down the corner. All right, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what actually happened in this game a little bit. We'll obviously get into the Kyrie Irving stuff as well. First, going to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. If you took a game there over at betonline.net before this game, Nets minus 10 and a half. And even at halftime, I'll tell you right now, because Bet Online's got the live betting right there. It was like Nets minus eight or something like that. And that felt really good the way this game was going. I was like, hey, you know, Pacers shooting the lights out from three, Nets, you know, jacking it up, getting good looks. Nope. 
BetOnline.net had it uh, had it right for a little bit there, and then obviously went the other way. But BetOnline is your number one place for all your betting needs. Uh, basketball, football, they got going over there on the weekends. Latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information. Like I said, they got the live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there, not just the basketball and football. Go to BetOnline. Sports you never heard of, they're over at BetOnline.net. Head on over to BetOnline.net. You can learn more BetOnline, where the game starts. And, of course, we thank you for making the Locked On Nets podcast your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, why don't you check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest storylines in sports, you go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only the Locked On Network can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on all apps, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast needs fulfilled. Okay. When we talk about um, this game then specifically, it, it's funny too because you, as you said at halftime, maybe you're, you're, you're looking, what's going well, I'm getting excited, Yudawada Nabe's in the rotation, it's all coming together here. And one of the things that I thought I'd be pointing to was something we've talked about, managing, managing minutes for the superstars and still finding a way to be successful. Kevin Durant only attempted four shots in this game in the first half. And that was, I thought, hey, you're still in the game. Kyrie Irving's having a good offensive showing tonight. All right. He can turn it on in the third and fourth quarter, get that volume up, and take things over because you have the two best players on the court at all times in this game. And that never got there. So <laughs> some of the things that I was looking at as, little, oh, here's a little positive. They only get to count if you win the game. Now, instead, we look back and say, Kevin Durant not taking more shots in the first half is maybe a part of the problem and getting the Nets out to a bigger lead over the Pacers that you try to bury a bad team early. Yeah, I actually don't have a problem with the shot selection in the first half. I thought the shot selection was basically perfect. I mean, they had a million wide open threes. They just didn't make any of them. I, yeah. They were shooting way above expectation for this season in terms of their overall shot attempts. Like on the season, I had this down before. They On the season, they've been averaging 34 and a half uh, threes a game. They were on pace for like 39 in the first half because uh, they were jacking up and they all looked good. I mean, all those Curry, Harris, the Mills ones, they were all uh, so many of them were just completely wide open. They just didn't make them. They just didn't make them. And, you know, as sitting at halftime, the Pacers are shooting like 55 percent from three. Uh, Nets were shooting like 33 percent or something like that. And I felt very confident at that point. And I actually I, I was with you on the encouragement around Durant's four shots. And I'm actually not going to change my stance on that only because the only because I did think that the attempts were really, really quality. Yeah, now, I was fine with it. I was fine yeah, with it. Like, yeah. and, and I was like, this is great, man. There's, you know, they're finally, you know, Simmons and four shooters. Like, this is what we're going to be looking at. This is like, we're going to trade three for two every time with these teams. Like, this is going to be amazing. I'm like, I'm, in some ways, the Pacers shot so well that I think they just like willed themselves to believe in winning the game, right? Like, they just, they could not miss. I think at times the Nets defense was fine and they just still hit like contested fall away threes. And some, some, they got a bunch of good looks too. So don't get me yeah, wrong. There was some was bad like, rotations or some missed assignments. It but was, but, the but, Nets defense, look, the Nets defense was <laughs> a complete, like a, you know, just um, a turnstile. It's not even a turnstile. Like it was just like they were just not guys showing up. I, all I'm saying is in, on top of that, the Pacers also hit some very tough ones, like sort of right. backbreaker ish threes also. So, but in terms of shot selection, I think the Nets did show you, at least in the first half, to like, yeah, hey, there's going to be times where these go down and they will smoke other teams. They just didn't. And then another third quarter where they just can't 
get come out of the tunnel. They lose another third quarter. It was only by one. But this should be a team that you're absolutely stomping. They have to stomp this team. Like, yeah. And they just can't. And then every minute that goes by that they don't, the Pacers just start believing. And now they're all he- these guys are heat checking all over the place. You know, with uh, Mathurum and Duarte and Heald, these guys, and Halliburton, like all these guys, they can really shoot. And I, I, I don't know. It was just I, the defense, stunk. it all stunk. I don't, I don't know another way to say it. The second half was terrible. The fourth quarter was the worst. Healed uh, six of 10, five of 11 from beyond the arc for them. Duarte chipped in with three of seven. As I mean, well. Matherin couldn't miss. Like, oh, like he, was, he, he was another one. He's going to win rookie of the year probably or something. Like him or, I mean, uh, Ben Carroll looks really good. Six of nine too. from beyond the arc. Ten He's not going to win rookie of the year well. probably. Yeah, like 32, um, just can't, can't miss, gets the line 10 times. Like, Everyone's just having career games. I don't know. I'm so you can hear me. Have you heard me this fired up? I'm so fired up. Like I can't. No, you know what? And you know what it is too. It's because it's it's the it's the reaction to the 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 patience and the perspective of like it's going to get there and we're going to start to see it. And this is the game. Like this is the tipping point game. You're patient for these first five games. You're willing to go the extra mile. You see the matchups. You know the quality players. Then you get to the Pacers game, and it's just now it's a dumpster. Like in in this game, right in this moment, it just feels like a total dump. Because you're sitting here looking at a team that has no business competing, and yet, even to your point, the first half didn't didn't feel bad. But you still you should be up by ten over the pace. Like you should just be up over the Pacers. You should win the first quarter by five to seven points, even if they have a run, as the NBA always does have. You should always be able to be pushing them back. You should always be able to rely on your best shooters. When you look inside too, so Kyrie Irving's the only guy I think in this one that played. He played neutral. He had plus minutes from Morris, but it was only five. So he's the only guy that plays neutral. Everyone else is in the negative. The one thing, and I'm not even, uh, this is where you feel like you're nitpicking on something, but this is now back-to-back games here where Kyrie Irving is putting up double-digit triples. Now, we can look at it from two ways. One, when they're going down, it's great. The percentage has been okay these last couple of games, but then we also know you don't have some of the perimeter shooting that you normally would. Joe Harris is still getting himself back into rhythm. I thought that he did some things better in this game. Again, it's a bad game, so maybe it doesn't matter. And then Seth Curry who said coming in the pregame of this one said he's still dealing with soreness. It's still really difficult. Some days are good. Some days are bad. Like if you want to throw on the layer on top of this being a bad game and an ugly loss, it's that the guys that they need to rely on the most. I mean, it looks like Harris is getting there, but Seth Curry, like that's pretty alarming pregame news to hear that. Yes, you see him out there. So you get excited, but then you also find out you may not see him on Monday though. You could see him on Wednesday. You might not see him on Friday. This is going to be, seemingly a game-to-game, day-to-day decision for Seth Curry. The longer that drags on is the longer that other players, including Kyrie, start to do a little bit more of an area of their game that they probably shouldn't lean that heavily into. You just want to be a more balanced attack. Like, I think we're like that just speaks to what we saw in the first half. When they are a balanced attack, it looks really scary, uh, like for other teams. Um, they can push the pace. They're spacing all over the place. And that is the best version. I mean, they're out of excuses because these guys, that's that's a fully healthy team. Like this was the team right yeah. here. All the guys played even, I know Curry's just working his way back. He's not going to go over five every game. Maybe oh God, that's you know, another great, that's another great reason though. This, maybe, this is the full team. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe two of those go down in the first half and you just build yourself or you pad yourself a lead a little bit or something like that. Like there's other versions of this game that I don't think, I think you play this game a hundred times with like kind of the same shots. And I think the Nets win like 50 of them, right. Or six, 65 or something like that, mm-hmm. because I, I just think that the Pacers don't shoot as well and the Nets do, but in general, I think you want to see a more balanced attack. And when it's not going to be that, that, that way, you are going to see them start to lean more into Kyrie and KD, which I think is usually kind of just fine. 
except that they just can't hold anybody on the defensive end and and it just you know things continue to spiral so i i don't know i'm at I was taking notes in this game and I just kind of stopped. Like once, once they, it was like the 50th, just up and down, jacking up threes. I was like, well, what is there to take a note on here? I, this is just yeah. going to be the whole, excuse me. This is going to be the whole game of just, we're just going to run and gun and jack threes. And that's fine. It's kind of fun to watch, but the, in general, that was ended up being the whole story of the whole game. Yeah. And the Pacers made more and the Nets just looked disinterested at times. I, there's, I'm not, by the way, I'm not blaming on the, on the Pacers, like lucky three point shooting. Like the Nets lost this game. Uh, that's, oh, yeah. That, yeah. that's very obvious. I just want to make clear that I'm not saying like, Oh, you know, they ran bad from three. I don't actually think that to be the case, but like, I don't know. Coming up here in a second, <laughs> we're going to we're have a running counter where, where Doug gets to a point where ultimately the statement is I'm breathing heavy. I'm sweating. <laughs> like I, it's a mess. It's Saturday night. There's a million ways to spend your time. Like, <laughs> this is just- you know what's happening right now? There's a movie night happening out, outside around a bonfire that I, that I I said, no, no, thank you. I'm going to watch the Brooklyn Nets get their second one of the season over the Pacers and make me feel good in their throwback uniforms. And look what they did to me. Coming up here in a second. Um, we'll take one last look at this game, get some additional, additional thoughts here. I think, again, knowing what the schedule is coming up here, as we talked about, they'll have a day off, even though they'll have back-to-back games against the Pacers at home. Uh, see if we have some sense of that. And then we'll also address the Kyrie Irving uh, situation away from basketball, which uh, maybe in some ways I do think creates this overarching umbrella, arching umbrella that we are dealing with right now when it comes to this team. Okay, so any other closing thoughts or takeaways from this game? My one thing was, I know this is kind of, it, it doesn't matter. We're talking pre-show, and you, you're accurate in saying it, it matters so little by the end of it. But at the in this game, where you're down single digits, not eight, nine points, there was also this moment, which seems <laughs> indicative of what's going on. Kyrie Irving goes for a steal on the defensive end. He doesn't get it, takes the chance. Now, you can, you can say one of two things. You can't take that risk there, which is what Richard Jefferson said on the broadcast. The other side of it is, we're even going to win this game no matter what you did, so who really cares? However, on the back side of it, Kevin Durant was seen standing and looking over at Steve Nash saying, what happened? Because seemingly, there was an intent and a play and, and an, an intention there defensively, and Kyrie went rogue. I'm not condemning Kyrie in this game for this one play, but it feels like that thing of, Maybe we had some strategy in mind. Maybe we had intention in this game overall, and you end up looking around at one another and at the coaches and back at the players and just saying, "What? What did we not? What did we not do? What were we not able to accomplish here?" I think for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, guys at that level, they look at themselves and say, "How am I? I'm me. I'm Kevin Durant. Like I should not be losing this game to the Pacers." Yeah, I think it's indicative of like a team that I mean, not necessarily with Katie and Kyrie, but indicative of a team that hasn't played a lot together, indicative of a team that so far does not look like they enjoy playing that all that much together. Right. Like, you know, and that's is going to usually come when you lose. Right. It's like tough to be super excited and rah, rah when you're losing. Um, But again, we haven't seen huge indications that everyone's got each other's back outside of some quotes in, you know, in, in post games. And even some of those have been sort of veiled, you know, you can take some of them as like veiled shots of like Kyrie towards Simmons and working on your game and stuff like that. And yeah, I, like, you know, the miscommunication, they're clearly miscommunicating on defense. Um, that is something I think that's actually the one thing I think can get worked out in time uh, just because that is a, just sort of a cohesive nature of the game. Mm-hmm. And you want to hope that that comes around. And I, like, I don't know, I, I'm not going to go crazy. I know what you're, I, I know the player you're talking about. It does seem like it sort of summed up all the things that were happening. That's, yeah. That's more what I mean. Yeah. That yeah. that's like the perfect way for that to happen at the end of the game. Cause it feels like the summation of what didn't happen. 
Oh, real quick too. We never said this, but thanks for everyone that tuned in on YouTube. We got a oh, ton yes. of people here. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, this podcast is live on YouTube right now. And as always with these episodes, which we didn't say at the beginning, we close off the regular part of the podcast. And then we just kind of uh, talk for a little bit longer, bring some questions up. because People are just absolutely peppering chat with this stuff. If you want your, uh, if you want something read, just put out at locked on nets and we can, uh, we can try to answer some of your questions, try to keep it clean too. So make sure uh, you do that. And that's, like I said, uh, if you're over on the podcast, that's, uh, well, that's one thing you're missing. Just go over to YouTube and grab the whole episode. Yeah. Let's talk Kyrie real quick before we close out this episode. Um, you want to just sum it up real quick or, I mean, we can, yeah, I'm, we're going to be, we're being brief with this, not because it's not, uh, <laughs> incredibly, uh, stupid is going to be my opening statement about this on Kyrie Irving's part, but mostly because we do primarily focus as a basketball podcast on what the team is doing on the court. However, uh, Kyrie Irving recently on social media tweeted out links to a book on Amazon, to a movie on Amazon, excuse me, which is also based on a book, 2018 film and 2015 book, which essentially is littered throughout it with uh, anti-Semitism ar- around the Jewish community, speaking to what may or may not be the causes of issues for uh, the black community. Um, my biggest problem with this, in summing it up, the NBA comes out and makes a statement about it. It's unacceptable. Joe Sy Joe, also yeah, came out, true. and he said specifically to give you Joe Sy's uh, reaction to this, I'm disappointed that Kyrie appears to support a film based on a book full of anti-Semitic dis- uh, disinformation. I want to sit down and make sure he understands this is hurtful to all of us, and as a man of faith, it is wrong to promote hate based on race, eth- ethnicity, or religion. Here's my biggest problem. With, uh, well, with, one more thing, yeah. too. And Rich, Richard Jefferson uh, addressed it during the game, also. Ahead, yeah. Like on the local broadcast, he addressed it, said they had talked to Kyrie, expressed his disappointment. I mean, it came from all sides here on, yeah. on, on, on Kyrie. Go ahead. Sorry. No, and here is. And so this is being universally condemned, as it should be. It comes across as incredibly insensitive, ill informed. And again, I'm not going to. I want to go over the line of saying it just comes off as stupid. But then Kyrie tweets out, I am an omnist, which is uh, someone who respects and uh, believes and understands all faiths and religion without judgment to be an omnist, just to define that term. And I meant no disrespect to anyone's religious beliefs. The quote anti-Semitic end quote label that is being pushed on me is not justified and does not reflect the reality or truth I live in every day. I embrace and want to learn from all walks of life and religions. My problem with that is that it's almost directly pushing back on this idea of you are promoting something that suggests a certain narrative to turn around and say anti this anti-Semitic label that's being put on me is off base or inaccurate, it's only directly directly based on what you do and what you say. So many opinions, every opinion on Kyrie Irving, basketball or otherwise, is based on what we see on the court from him and based on what he says off the court. And Kyrie Irving always seems to find a very difficult time accepting that his words are digested and judged and seemingly when they're taken, what he feels is out of context, it always ends up being, oh, I, I you know, I didn't, I didn't intend it that way, so no one should be offended by it. I, it's just a very tone deaf approach that he has, and it's really it's, it's disappointing to me to have to have a player that is that good on the court be on a team that we cover and consistently have these kind of things come up. Yeah, it's just wash, rinse, repeat with Kyrie on this stuff, man. It happens all the time. Um, he says something, he posts something, the Alex Jones thing that he posted, um, and then there's just like a shoulder shrug and a confusion about why anyone. Um, got mad about it or then a mislabeling like that someone's out to get him or something like that. And it's mostly self-inflicted here. And th- by the way, this is from at least I mean, two of people that were like, 
pro Kyrie Irving all last year in terms of like mandates that we thought were, you know, weird and, you know, didn't seem like that's, we were on Kyrie's side here. So I, I only, I only feel like I need to couch that in this before getting into the rest of it, just to say, this isn't like some kind of like anti Kyrie spiel. It's just, right. it just happens all the time with this guy. Like it's all the time. So, something goes up. He gets confused. He posts something that, you know, claims that either someone's out to get him or you, or everyone else was confused. There's not a lot of confusion around this. If you, you can go around and listen to other people talk about this situation that are more informed than I am about this, it seemed very clear, like what this stuff was. And yeah. It just is totally clueless. And Kyrie, who often will want you to believe, because I'll tell you, because I'm just quoting him, that he's a poet and a martyr. And these are words that he's used and a philosopher. These are words he's used to describe himself. I'm not saying this like tongue in cheek. He's said this about himself, who believes himself to be these things consistently, consistently does things that are antithetical to those kind of ideas. And then gets very confused when there's pushback or not even confused believes that it's some kind of narrative that's out to get him, even though it often stems from just things that he did. Right. So yeah. I don't know. It's frustrating. We haven't spent a ton of time talking about it because we mostly focus on basketball and want it to be that way. It's like way more fun to talk about basketball than it is about some stupid tweet that someone put up or whatever. But with Kyrie, it is like sort of insufferable. I find like at, it's just, it's like either you know better or you're doing it on purpose or like you don't know better or you're doing it on purpose like i don't know and, and by the, the way and you're well beyond the line of not knowing better because there's too many and this is he the, might oh, not know better no, but, i don't but, know like, well, yeah, it, it, not, by the way that's not me letting him off the hook it's right, just right. like it's it, it's also not a nice thing to say about somebody he might just not know better like he might not know better than to do these things he's a great basketball player he's made a million bad decisions when it comes to just things he says and does he always takes it back he always apologizes and then you just give a little time and he does something else. So I, I don't know. Like, and that was going to be my, most of my thoughts. My last note on it was just going to be for someone who, and he said it in the media day, I, 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 you know, I, I often make mistakes and I often look back with regrets. The problem is like, that can't just be the catch all. That can't be the catch all every time where you go. Yeah, listen, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. And I, sometimes I think I wish I could go back and do it differently. That's great. But we even, we did joke about it then because it wasn't about something maybe as serious as this is where it was like, yeah, ah, whoops a daisy, but I'll get it the next time. But how many times do you get to do that before it's no, like this is just what you do, and it's hard to uh, consistently give someone a pass that doesn't seem to understand the weight of his words and also the responsibility that he has. Yeah, the he platform, like he's got a huge following. Yeah. People love him. Like he's a great basketball player. I totally get it. He has a huge voice. I think at times he's used that correctly, and at times he's used it incorrectly. And I, I just, I know personally, I can't hear the, like the, you know, these attempts to frame me in this certain way. I'm like, dude, it's, yeah. you're the one doing it. Like, it's just at some point, you're the one that said this stuff. You tweeted the Alex Jones thing. No one like, you know, I went over there and tweeted for you. The guys like uh, pedals just lies. Like, it's just, it's just, it's very, very obvious. And to like, to do like an aw shucks, I'm here for everybody routine. Even, I'm, I, he probably believes it. And maybe that, that is yeah. like the truth. He believes it. But like, at some point. It's you. It's indefensible, right? Like you can't yeah. defend it, and it's just like it just uh, my eyes just roll all the way into the back of my, my head with some of these quotes. I mean, you and I have said a lot, of, like talked about this a lot, but it just, yeah, it's just a person I think that feels like he's deeply enlightened and feels like he's deeply, you know, connected to something, and maybe he is, but it just doesn't 
come off that way. <laughs> yeah, the application of, of that, it, it certainly comes off in very confusing ways. All right, we'll go ahead and wrap the uh, the podcast episode here, I think. We're going to go ahead and continue. I know we're going to continue over with the YouTube discussion, which will be solely focused on the basketball side of things. Obviously, it's a disappointing loss, and we'll come back in uh, next week. As this will go up live on YouTube, Monday's episode. You can catch it on the feed, and then we'll be ready for another game here. But everything from tonight, Doug, just felt like an absolute disaster for the Brooklyn Nets. All right. Uh, thanks for everyone to jump in on YouTube. This is like one of our biggest ones, I think, looking at the numbers that are going on here. So really appreciative of everyone that's spending the Saturday night with us. If you're not because you're on the podcast or you're just in here and you haven't hit subscribe, take two seconds at the end of this podcast. Go hit subscribe on Locked on Nets on YouTube. Numbers keep growing. We're about to hit a huge milestone, uh, two huge milestones, probably in the next like next week. We'll hit one and then that, probably a month from now we'll hit another. So we'll let you know what those are going to be uh, coming forward. Really appreciate everyone. Excuse me, I'm getting choked up about it. I uh, really appreciate everyone that's jumped on for the ride. Make sure you subscribe over on YouTube. And hey, I haven't been happy for one minute in my entire life. Arthur Fleck. Oh, <laughs> coming again. Coming again with the, uh, with the old sequel on that one. One of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again. <laughs> Another uplifting movie. We'll be back again tomorrow. Or no, next week, talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.